summary of the Sikha. In the parsha it says, when the Yidin came to the Yarden in the they were in the land of Moyav, Moshe began to explain this Torah Lamer to say. So our sages tell us that he explained it to them in all seventy languages. He translated the Torah into all seventy languages. Also, Moshe instructed at that time that when they cross over the yard and into Israel, they should erect stones upon which they should inscribe the entire Torah. Also, it says there, Bayer Hatev, and uh, so our sages say the same thing. Bayer Hatev means they should inscribe them in all 70 languages. In Mesech Tesefim, we are told that there was a story with five elders that wrote, that translated the Torah for Talmai the king into Greek and that day was as terrible for the Jewish people like the day in which the eagle was made because the Torah cannot be translated fully perfectly so we have to understand about it about that because Moshe Rabbeinu already translated it into 70 languages which probably um, most likely also included, certainly included also Greek and he also told them to write it on the stones in all 70 languages. So this was done already. So it seems that there is something uh, useful and important about translating it into different languages. So why do they consider that to be a terrible day for the Jewish people when they translate it into Greek? And also saying that it can't be translated properly, it was already translated into 70 languages. So why is that a problem? And it's difficult to say that that the, the, uh, the what's terrible about it is specifically into Greek. Greek is a problem because first of all, the seventy languages, as I said before, certainly included also Greek, and in, in even more than that, we find that Greek is a language in which which you can write svarim. You can write svarim, which will have meaning official scrolls of Chumashim and of a Torah itself can be written in Greek and it can be read from in the shul and it's only Greek that, uh, that relates only to Greek so we see that Greek is something more important a greater language a, a better language in which to translate the Torah so why? so it can't, we can't say that it's specific to Greek in fact the Yashami says that they, they researched and they found that the Torah can only be translated called Tsarka fully in Greek so Greek is the best language in which to translate the Torah and the, mo- the most uh, difficult question is why does it say it was a day as ter- uh, terrible for the Jewish people like the day in which the Eagle was made how could you say that something that not tra- being able to translate the Torah perfectly is so terrible like the day that they made the eagle? Why is it such a terrible thing that you go to that extreme that it's like the eagle itself? Now, this wording that something is as, it was as terrible as the day that the eagle was made, we also find in the Sechta Shabbos in regards to the story about Hillel and Shammai, there was a day in which Shammai's uh, students outnumbered Hillel's students and there was a debate about a certain matter, about a certain halacha, and although normally the halacha is always like Hillel, and that day they outnumbered the, uh, the students of Hillel, and therefore they ruled in accordance with Shammai, and that day, it says in the Gemara, Hillel was subservient and sitting before Shammai like one of the students, and it was a day as difficult for the Jewish people like the day in which the eagle was made. So there, there also, we need to understand what is 
what is the meaning? Why use such terminology as terrible as the day that the eagle was made? Rashi explains that why was it so such a difficult day? Because Hillel was the leader and he was a humble person, which also needs to be explained because how does being a humble person explain why it was such a difficult day? To the contrary, the fact that he was humble could explain why it was it mitigated the terribleness of the day because he was humble, so he took it. He was able to tolerate the insult. So what does Rashi mean? Some uh, commentaries want to say that the, the, what was so terrible was that they spurned Hillel. Not only did they, did he, was he outnumbered, but they also spurned him. So that was, that's even worse. And that's why those Mepharshim explained, that's why it's compared to the day that they made Egel, because there they spurned Moshe. And that's what the comparison is. But obviously, the, using the terminology of the Egel is not about spurning Moshe. That was a question of Ave Dezara, was something much more terrible than just simply insulting Moshe. So, to explain, by first explaining, uh, asking another question, why does the, the Gemara use the terminology, it's like the day in which the eagle was made? It doesn't say it was as terrible as the making of the eagle, or like the sin of the eagle, like the day in which it was made. Why use that term? So to understand it, the day that they made the eagle, when did they worship the eagle? Not on the day that they made it. They worshipped it the next day, as Aaron said to them, tomorrow will be a celebration unto Hashem, now go home to sleep, and tomorrow we'll make, after they had made the eagle, he said, come back tomorrow, we'll do it. So in other words, the worshipping was not on the day that they made the eagle. And the Pasuk says, they woke up the next morning, and they began to worship the eagle. So when the Gemara says it was as difficult as the day that they made the eagle, it doesn't mean the day that they made the eagle was not about the worshipping of the eagle. It was about the preparation to worship the eagle. That's what, and what was the day that they made the eagle. The making of the eagle itself did not yet lead to worshipping it. It could have ended up good. This is what Aaron actually hoped, that uh, let's delay it till tomorrow. Tomorrow, Meishu Rabbeinu will come back the, they'll worship Hashem. So it could have ended better than it ended. But the day that they made the eagle was the fact that they were in the mode of getting ready for worshipping of Eidazara. For something that's going to happen tomorrow. But today it didn't happen yet. The same is also true for the translating of the Torah for Talmei HaMelech. When the Gemara says that they were not able to translate the Torah called Sarka, fully, what it means is you cannot translate the Torah verbatim into Greek, because when you translate it verbatim, certain things become misunderstood, can be interpreted wrongly as in fact we find that in the story the, that uh, when Talmud HaMelech appointed 72 Rabbonim, 72 sages to translate the Torah, each one independently, and in a miraculous way they all changed 13 things in the translation. They didn't translate it ver- uh, verbatim. They changed it slightly so that it would be better understood. For instance, as an example, the very first words of the title, which are Bereish is Lekim, in the beginning Hash- uh, created Hashem, which they reversed to say Hashem created in the beginning. Because otherwise they were afraid that He would say 
one could interpret it as meaning there is an entity called the beginning which cre- created Hashem so they reversed it Hashem created in the beginning so that it's clear what it means <clears throat> in other words the translation can never be perfectly um, verbatim in the Torah that's what it means called Sarka because it leads to misinterpretation so in other words it's the same problem the translation itself is not the problem the problem is what could it lead to how will people later interpret, misinterpret what the Torah means that's what it, in other words the same thing as the eagle which could led in fact in the time of the eagle it led to the worshiping of the eagle the next day and at a later time so also the translation itself is could be a valid translation but it could lead later to misinterpretation and the same could also be said about the story which Shammai and Hillel and Shammai the fact that Hillel was they ruled against Hillel on that day was not a terrible thing because Hillel himself acknowledged and he gave up the debate with Shammai he said no it's correct he withdrew from the debate meaning to say that he felt that it was correct so there was nothing in itself ruling in favor of Shammai was not the problem the problem that they were afraid of was that this could lead to later they would again want to rule like Beishamai, like Shammai and the fact is that Hillel is the Nasi and all law goes according to the Nasi except for this one uh, except for exceptions besides for exceptions so therefore it was also a, not a problem in itself but it could lead to something happening later which would be a perversion of Allah because if they try that again it would be a perversion because Hillel did not agree in other cases to rule like Shammai and that's why it's compared all three of them have that same concept of in and of itself it's not a problem but it could lead to a problem later and that's what Rashi means because Hillel was the Nasi and the humble one he is explaining why the ruling has to go according to Hillel Hillel is the Nasi the ruling always goes according to the Nasi even over to out rule the Av Bezdin which was Shammai and the second thing is that Hillel was the humble one and the, the Gemara says that why did they always rule like Hillel because they were easy going and they were willing to accept uh, defeat and so on they were humble and that's the reason why you have to rule like them so Rashi is simply explaining why it's a terrible day because that it should, normally we need to rule like Hillel for these two reasons and it could lead who knows what will happen in the future but since Torah is so perfect and always very accurate it's, it, we have to say that it's not just an incidental thing that these three things share which is that it leads to a problem later but it must, it must be something fundamental about these three things which share the same idea of Kiyoyim Shenasabaya Egel so we have to understand what that is it's known that the commentators explain about the Asiyah Egel about the making of the Egel that it was not that the Yidin Chas V'Sholom wanted to replace Hashem they were looking for a replacement of Hashem they were looking for a replacement of Moshe Rabbeinu in other words they, they knew that there has to be an intermediary between Hashem and the Jewish people it's not just they cannot relate fully to Hashem especially not if they want to be able to relate to Hashem in every part of their being if they want to be able to understand they will un- want to be able to relate to Hashem emotionally not just simply 
by emuna, faith, and something that you have no clue what's going on. They wanted to be able to relate to it fully. For that, you need Hashem to be drawn down to a lower level into your reality. So they needed something to draw down Hashem into the, their own reality. And they knew this from the fact was that Hashem didn't eventually say that the Yidin should make a Beis HaMikdash out of gold and silver and physical materials, and that's where he would dwell, that's where he would be. Where would he be? Between the Kruvim. There were two images in which Hashem was going to, that's where he was going to be, that's his resting place, so to speak, in the world. So they wanted that kind of, a, of an intermediary that could draw Hashem down into the world, into our own reality. And that's what the Medrash says, that how did they come up with the idea of making an eagle, a, ca- a calf, a, an ox? Because when they saw Matan they saw Hashem come down with what's called the Merkava, His chariot, the, which has four images. The chariot has the face of a, of a man, the face of an ox, the face of an eagle, and the face of a lion. So they took one of those images and that's what they wanted to do that's the proper intermediary they felt between Hashem and the Jewish people they saw it in the Merkava that's the way Hashem travels so to speak so they wanted to bring it down into this world and in fact this could have turned out to be a lesson had they not gotten up early in the morning because the, the, the Sutton pushed them to wake up early they would have got up at the normal time by then Moshe would have been back he would have said no this is not the right way to do it you can't have that kind of an intermediary, and they would have destroyed the intermediary. They would have seen a, a new lesson in Achtos Hashem. This is not the right way. That's what their intention was, though. And that's the meaning of it's as difficult as the day that they made the eagle. Not about worshipping the eagle, but the very idea that there could be a something that is separate from Hashem, that is going to be an intermediary between the Yidden and Hashem and not when Hashem commands it. If Hashem commands it, like let's say in the case of Moshe, where Hashem said that he will be the intermediary, the one that will connect the Yidin to Hashem, so then the very idea that Hashem commanded it, and the word mitzvah means to connect. Hashem instructs, when he instructs that way, that is a connection. But if Hashem does not tell you to create an intermediary, then it only separates you from Hashem. The same also with the Kruvim. Hashem instructed that they should be formed and fashioned and put into the Kedosh HaKadoshim, so that was something that was going to connect. But come up with your own ideas of creating sep- uh, uh, something separate from Hashem that's going to connect you, that doesn't work. It, to, the up, to the contrary, it separates you from Hashem and it could eventually even lead to idol worship, as it did in the, fact that the, in the case of the eagle. And the same is true also for the translation of the Torah. When Hashem instructed that it should be translated into 70 languages and Hiloshen Kaidish, the original Torah was alongside it. So therefore, Hashem commanded it and the Torah was there. So it influenced every translation that it should be in accordance with what the Torah truly intends. But when it was done by the instruction of Talmud Amalek instead of Hashem's instruction, then it could lead to mistrust interpretations and to ideas which should go contrary to the unity of Hashem. The exact opposite of what Torah asks. The exact opposite of what the meaning of Bereshah's Baralikim is. The same also can be explained within the context of Torah as the difference, the difference between Beshamayim and Beshilo.
to see the same difference as we see from the translation of the Torah. We know that Shammai was from Midas HaGvura, of discipline. Their big thing was discipline. Hillel was from Chesed, and therefore Shammai always ruled stringently. Hillel always ruled leniently. What is the difference between the two? The Medrash says that when Hashem wanted to create the world, and He consulted, so to speak, with Chesed and with truth, with kindness and with truth, so Emma said, don't create the world you're not going to be happy. It's going to lead to problems. They're, they're going to rebel against you. It's not going to work out well. Um, Chesed said, no, go ahead and create it. You'll, it'll work out fine. It will work itself out. In other words, that as far as Emes or Gvura Din is concerned, there is no place for the world. The world is a contradiction to Hashem. It can only create problems. Hashem has to, if you want to be close to Hashem, you have to suppress the world, you have to crush the world. It's always in contradiction to Hashem. Chesed says, no, you can have Hashem integrate into the world and it could work out. And that's why Shammai, they always ruled stringently, which means wherever possible you have to separate yourself from the realities of the world. It can never lead to anything positive. Hillel said, no, you can accommodate the world. You can go to Kula. The world can be elevated. It could, you could bring godliness into the world and elevate the world as well. If you look at this in a, in a uh, more refined way, what you're saying is, Beishamah is saying there are two separate, it could lead to this understanding of the world. There are two separate powers. There is the power of the world. There is the power of Hashem. And the two cannot get together. There are two separate worlds. You cannot integrate those two worlds. Base Hillel says, Hillel says, no, you could integrate. It's all one thing. The world is just another expression of Hashem, and that's why you could bring Elokos to the world. You could bring godliness into the world. And that's what it means that on that day, when Hillel had to be subservient to Shammai, which means that Shammai got their way of looking at the world was dominant, that there are two separations that you can't be makel, you have to be machmir. In other words, that there are, the world cannot accommodate Hashem, and Hillel had to be subservient to that. So this could eventually lead to the idea that there are two powers competing in the world. Shammai, of course, didn't mean it in that way, that there is a competition to Hashem's power. Certainly not. But it could, if you take that thinking to some a further degree, it could lead to that kind of thinking. And that's why it was similar to the making of the Egil, which originated in a thought of having an intermediary to connect to Hashem, but it could lead to a separation from Hashem. In the end, the two, the, the translation of the Torah and the, uh, the, the Shammai and Hillel issue never led to any negative events. They, there was a concern that it could lead to something negative, but it never did. The translation of the Torah was a positive thing, and it contributed to the spreading of Hashem's word throughout the nations of the world. They were able to relate to Hashem's world, word through the translation of the Torah. And also, Beis Hillel, in the end, was the final say on all matters. The truth is that even by the eagle, which did turn out bad, but Aaron intended that he said, Chagla Hashem Mochar, tomorrow we will have a celebration to Hashem. 
he meant to say that if we if we do this properly, even this will turn into a celebration of Hashem. Because Moshe Rabbeinu will come, will tell us that it's the wrong thing, and tell everybody it's the wrong thing, and we will celebrate the unity of Hashem the way it should be. But in the end, of course, it didn't. But in the case of the translation of the Torah, it did turn out positive, as we said. And since the words of Sadigim are always eternal, and therefore when Aaron said, Chagya Lashem Machar, that happened to be, the Machar was Shivasa Batamas, the day that Moshe Rabbeinu actually came down and ended up breaking the Luchas. But he said, Chag Lashem Machar, it will be a celebration unto Hashem. And the Arizal says that what is meant by that was that Aaron's words will come to pass. Hashem will eventually turn Shivasa Batamas into a Yantav. So it comes out that Machar, which means literally the next day, which from Tezai and Tammuz, which is Yudzai and Tammuz. And Machar also means in the future. So that in the future, Yudzai and Tammuz will, will turn into a celebration. And the same we see that the translation of the Torah also turned into a very positive thing, especially in our day and age, when there are so many Yidin that are not able to learn Torah and certainly not Chassidus, only from Yiddish or from Hebrew, they must have their own language in which it, to be able to learn it. So this is a greater spreading of the Mayanus of the wellsprings of Chassidus and of Torah into a much bigger part of the world than it could ever be without the translation. And this will lead... This also leads to the elevation of the 70 languages. They become elevated because now the Torah is studied in those languages as well, which eventually leads to the elevation of the, the, each nation which speaks that language as well. And this will speed up the, uh, the time when Mashiach will come and then all the nations will speak one language to, uh, to serve Hashem and it should be, and all the, uh, all the uh, fast days will turn into Yom Tovim as it says as the Arizal explained, may it happen speedily in our days.